0: Snuff Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suter. He is the man in the know. Every week on this podcast, we discuss an international political nightmare or just any sort of situation, really, and we get your take on it, Keith, because you've got three PhDs in, in international relations and various other you know, components of that, and you're very well-versed on pretty much anything going on in the world, and quite frankly, you're renowned in the media industry, you're a commentator on this stuff as well, so there is no person in better place, and you break it down into layman's terms so people like me can understand, uh, and I've been in media most of my career in radio and TV and worked with you in those capacities, so it, it makes sense for us to work together.
1: Indeed it does, Kate, absolutely. Um,
0: so we're going to talk today in relation to coronavirus, really, but then we'll broaden out from there, about... I love your title for this, by the way, and you're going to have to say it for me because I'll say the conspiracy bit and you say the next bit.
1: Right, Conspiracy okay. and... All cock up. That's a, <laughs> they're basically two approaches to life. So let me just give you the the two big ones so we can drill down into coronavirus because underneath, you know, it's quite serious. We've had, as we'll look at, uh, uh, somebody tried to um, kill a number of others believing in this conspiracy theory. So it is serious. So just to take the big picture, I think there are two ways of looking at the world and how change occurs. So one is this idea that there is some super smart group of individuals who run the world. Sometimes they're called the Illuminati. I get this a lot because I'm a member of the Club of Rome and so we are seen as being part of this Illuminati. In other words, this group of super smart individuals very rich individuals. That obviously doesn't include me, but you know the Rothschild family and all the rest of it, who are somehow pulling strings behind the scenes. And so, when things go wrong, then you assume that this cabal, whatever it is, is plotting to do you down, basically. Um, and it's not a new issue. You know, if you one of the standard examples of this is what would be called the protocols of Zion. In other words, this forgery from the Tsarist Russia whereby the allegation is that a group of Jews got together to take over the world. And that fuels the anti-Semitism, which tragically we continue to see to this day, not least in this country. I do talk back radio, and I still have to field questions about the protocols of Zion, even though they've been disproved. These are people who've got a fixed idea. As Winston Churchill used to say, these are people who won't change their mind and won't change the subject. So... So these are people with a particular mindset and they want to be able to blame a particular group. So it's a form of scapegoating and we're seeing that in the coronavirus. So that's one interpretation which we can look at in more detail, the whole conspiracy theory approach to life. The alternative one is what we call the cock-up theory. In other words, things go wrong. You know, it's all Murphy's Law, to use an Australian (laughs) example. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong at the worst possible time. In other words, that... Things are not neatly planned out. There is not some super smart group of individuals working behind the scenes. As the historian AJP Taylor used to say, it's just one damn thing after another. So you end up with all sorts of issues that arise. Quite often, the the uh, time of greatest danger comes at the time of greatest success. So we need to look at a, a new book, for example, which has just appeared by an Australian author who talks about the period of American dominance, which ran from 1991 to the collapse of the Soviet Union through until 2003 when the Americans invaded Iraq. That was the golden period. From 2003 onwards, America is going down. And um, there's no conspiracy there. It's just one bunch of idiots making mistakes. You get bogged down in Iraq, you get bogged down in Afghanistan. The economy is in a bad way. And so you've just got one series, of you know, And well, A.J.P. Taylor, the historian, would say one damn thing after another. No clear pattern. It's just this sort of uh, one thing just going badly after another. So they're the two approaches. So when I'm teaching this to my undergraduates, I, I say to them, you've got to try to work out in your own mind, because that's the great value of having a few years as an undergraduate. You're freed from the pressures of high school. You've not yet taken on the pressures of adulthood with mortgages, marriages, children, all the rest of it. You've got this period in which to get your headspace in order. And one of the issues that you need to work out is how do you view the world? Is there a giant conspiracy of one sort or another? Or is it, in fact, just one series of what? Well, one damn thing after another, as the historian so used to
0: one, say. So would you think that you're taking responsibility for it so that one damn thing after another, you kind of go, well, that's just the way of it. The other one is like oh, well, almost finding a scapegoat, like not taking responsibility, like finding an excuse for
1: something. That's right, Yeah. So my view is that you've got to take responsibility for your own destiny. So I come into that cock-up approach to life that, you know, you're going to be in a world of chaos. Nothing is guaranteed. The coronavirus is certainly an example of this, none of us in January of this year were predicting a, a shutdown of the global economy or to have a conservative Australian government behaving like a bunch of socialists. <laughs> Properly, I've got to say, I'm endorsing what the Australian government's mm, doing. Of course. But this is totally out of keeping with the mindset of conservative politicians. Mm. So none of us predicted this, and it's the nature of life. So what you've got to do as you work through life, I think, is that you've got to give life meaning So one of the components of giving life meaning is just to work out, is it a conspiracy or is it a cock-up? If you follow my advice would be that you look at life as just one damn thing after another and you try to make sense of it for yourself and you look for opportunities of working with others and that's how the world will move forward. Don't think there's a bunch of Jews operating behind the scenes as per the protocols of Zion or a bunch of bankers working behind the scenes to destroy the world.
0: All governments, for that matter, are go- Yeah. Although they're probably in a place to do that, but, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, when you look at how badly governments operate, you know, that you can't, can't accuse them of, of organising something in this world.
0: And also, by the way, just to give the context of coronavirus, I mean, there's, there's quite a few conspiracy theories going on around, Keith, how it originated.
1: Absolutely, and that's what brings us back. So what really got me interested in this is a story about Eduardo Moreno, apparently with great deliberation, derailed the freight train he was manning in Southern California, nearly killing the occupants of three nearby cars. His target was the US naval ship Mercy, a naval medical ship that's been assisting nearby hospitals with the coronavirus patients. His comment was, I had to. People don't know what's going on here. Moreno reportedly told the officer who arrested him. Apparently, Moreno believes in a conspiracy theory that the coronavirus is a hoax being deployed to cover for a shadowy takeover of the government. And it's interesting that uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's been the expert advisor or trying to advise President Trump, is now under uh, police protection. There are so many threats being made against them. And remember, in the United States, you've got lots of guns. There are a lot of people who can carry out Has one a, of their threats. Where
0: did this one begin, do you know? And is Trump perpetrating it? Like, is he...
1: No, no. I think the problem with Trump is that he was out to lunch. So the crisis was beginning in early part of this year. It actually began in the end of last year. Begins early part of this year. And he just said, oh, look, this is fake news. It's a hoax from the Democrat Party. It's trying to damage my chance of re-election. Remember, no American president is ever re-elected in a recession. And so his worry was that we would have a recession by the time November came round, and so he wouldn't get re-elected. That's why he was always trying to be positive and talking it up. Dr Fauci, Anthony Fauci, was saying to him, look, this is a serious issue. Probably he didn't know in January just how bad it was going to turn out to be, but he was trying to advise the president. And I've got to, unfortunately, I've got to say the media have played all this very badly. They're trying to spin one off against the other. So they get Trump to complain about Fauci. They, attack, they get Fauci to try to complain about Trump. Fauci knows how to handle the media, and so he's avoiding that. But the American media are really behaving irresponsibly. They're trying to divide the US government. It's bad enough having Trump running around being stupid. We don't need the journalists at the White House doing it as well.
0: So is Fauci the equivalent to our chief medical officer?
1: Or? Almost. There is a, Well, there is actually a vice admiral who is chief medical officer, okay. but he's certainly a, um, the expert. He, he's, from the, he's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. So what I found intriguing um, when we were thinking about this week was to look at the way in which... There's all this conspiracy. So let me, I'll I'll give you my explanation of what I think happened. Yep. And then we can look at, at the conspiracy, which I'm, by the way, I'm getting it from both sides. Mm. Um, but so from my explanation is that this did come out of Wuhan. It is the Wuhan virus, although political correctness means we can't talk about it as such. You know, we talk about the Spanish flu. Or the Chinese flu, virus, or, yeah. the Chinese, or the or the Hong Kong flu, but you can't say it's the Chinese flu. Uh, a problem but so we call it now coronavirus it emerged in Wuhan part of China Chinese have uh, wet markets they're a bit like our farmers markets if you do your shopping on a saturday morning but also within China you can buy wild animals
0: and they're live
1: and they're live this is the issue so and they're stored in cages so you've got a variety of exotic animals, including anteaters, which is the one that gets us suspicious, or perhaps bats as well. And so the cages are stacked one on top of the other. So the excrement, urine, pus and blood flow down through those cages. Oh, I this... saw a Four
0: Corners story on it. was horrible.
1: <laughs> See, it's illegal in Australia. You wouldn't be able to do that in Australia. But anyway, so under traditional Chinese medicine, you have the need for these wild animals which you will then kill at home. And, of course, for a lot of um, Chinese farmers, this is a way of making extra money. They're growing food. They're also growing wild animals. And so the animals get bought for traditional Chinese medicine and also as form of aphrodisiac. So before Viagra came along, (laughs) we were having the slaughter of these animals, you know, the rhino horns and all the rest of it.
0: Which is conspiracy theories on their own that they even (laughs) work. God's
1: sake. That's right, yeah. So... That, so that's my explanation, that it, that it came from that. Now, what I find intriguing is that the, you've got one allegation that I'm getting from the left, namely that this is an American virus. So it was transported to Wuhan by an American sporting team who went to compete in Wuhan. What? And while there... I haven't
0: heard this one. Oh,
1: right. While there, they were the ones who started to spread it around. With the intention, obviously, given the tensions between the United States and China, it was a way of damaging the Chinese economy. That's one conspiracy theory right, that I've okay. come across. Right. There's also an argument about the bio warfare research establishment, which allegedly is nearby, uh, an experiment that got out of control. And so it's really a form of biological warfare, which the Chinese are practicing, which is actually contrary to international law.
0: Mm. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. It's quite a fascinating one today. It's about conspiracy theories, or (laughs) cock-ups, which I much (laughs) prefer coming out of your mouth. (laughs) It's like Christmas has all come at once when you swear. Um, So yeah, we're talking about that in relation to coronavirus particularly, because that's the one that's the conspiracy everyone's talking about. And, And you've just outlined some of those conspiracy theories. But Has much airtime been given to, I mean, that particularly American one I had not heard before. Where did you hear that one, Keith?
1: Oh, well, this is another thing that I encourage my students to do. The phrase I use, get out of your epistemic community. Yep. So epistemic community would be the group of people that you associate with. So we all get into epistemic communities. Parents get concerned about the peer groups their children get into. But that, that applies to them as adults as well. They're in epistemic communities as well. And, and an obvious example of this is the lead up to the global financial crisis in 2008. The US bankers formed their own epistemic community and they talked to other bankers. Now, they all thought that that booming economy was going to continue indefinitely. The view was that no one ever lost money investing in real estate, etc. That was an epistemic community. Now, there were voices on the outside trying to warn about the impending financial crisis. Uh, you had Elizabeth Warren, who was then a, senator, uh, then a professor at Harvard dealing with consumer finance law. You had Robert Schiller at Yale. They were warning about the the risks in the housing market, etc., but they weren't being listened to by the people in that epistemic community. And, that, and so, in a sense... We're almost back to that era of people living in little villages and just sharing information between themselves. It just so happens that the villages could be geographically dispersed, you know, so that people could be on Twitter, but they're still in a little village because they're only getting a news feed from one through to the other. And it's interesting if, for example, Google algorithms know what you want to see, which would be different possibly from what I want to see. So if we both type in same time on our respective computers, let's just type in, say, China. One of us might get the news feed about what's going on in China. Another one would get information about tourist destinations or sporting results in China. So, that, so it, again, Google is putting people into epistemic communities. So I say to my students, you've just got to read widely. So I'm on the mailing list for a lot of really unusual stuff, um, but I find it useful just to get me out of my epistemic community because it's very easy to spend all your time just watching CNN or MSNBC or at the other end of the spectrum watching Fox.
0: Yeah, and you know, that's that's exactly right. And I think as well, you yeah, as you say, you surround yourself with people who think the same about a lot of things, who've got the same political kind of views, have the same kind of parents who are, you know. Yeah. You know, and so you don't really think about how the other people think as society or why that is, and you're particularly that reason you say why. Like when you think about the, the Trump voter, well, why do white... Disaffected Americans, middle aged white men love him so much. What are they speaking to him? What? what, what how does it connect to him? Think why? Yeah. You know, like that I found helpful in terms of me understanding, not being a Trump supporter at all, <laughs> exactly. understanding that. So then I guess the, back to the conspiracy theory and then the cock up approach to this. The cock up approach to the coronavirus outbreak is the fact that a bloody bat or something. <laughs> Got its head chopped off and in the markets and gave, given to a personal. They took the live thing home and that's how they got it.
1: Yeah, somehow or other, they jump species. That's right. So, and uh, and the Chinese government is trying to crack down on the trafficking in live animals. It's so barbaric, oh. um, and it's a health risk. But you get a lot of corruption in China. So you've obviously got people perhaps in Wuhan, the the inspectors, who are being paid to turn a blind eye to what's being sold in the cages. So that's the human element. That's where things can go wrong. So you can have an edict published in Beijing saying no more of these live animals being sold, but it gets ignored out in the provinces, so to speak. So that for me is the cock-up approach to life, that you can have all these regulations, but they can also go wrong You've got the human element, you've got the element of corruption, all sorts of things.
0: Well, it's also just accepting the most feasible reason for this outbreak, which is a live animal. It's a reason that Ebola exists, a exactly. reason a SARS came out, swine flu.
1: <laughs> See, basically the Chinese and a lot of other people, particularly the Chinese, live too close to their animals. So all of these diseases, which you've mentioned, and the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, which is from camels, uh, MERS, you got SARS, uh, avian flu and all this they all arise originally out of animals and they jump species and get into the humans. And so Bill Gates oh this is another conspiracy theory. Oh. Bill Gates a, a few years ago talked about the risk of a a giant pandemic. And now people are saying, well he was war- he was talking about it then has he engineered something now? Oh
0: god, you're joking. <laughs>
1: Get onto the internet. Get out of uh, your epistemic community, Kate, and have a look at, oh, at I what's I, going on.
0: I definitely can imagine. Like, I, I hear some of them be, you know, sprouted.
1: So I get stuff from Dallas, from a mm. Trump supporter, and his view is that uh, this is all, well, first of all, he was like Trump, denying it was a problem. Now he recognises that it is a problem and it's conspiracy by China. So the virus is invented in China, and who sells the world's uh, personal protective equipment, PPE? China. And who was able to control the virus? It's China, because they are a police state. America is becoming a police state, but China is already one. So once you unleash the virus, they can then clamp down on Wuhan, shut down uh, and isolate a city in China the size of New York. You can do that in China. You can't do that in New York, as we're seeing. And so, this particular Trump supporter is saying this is a Chinese conspiracy to destroy the American economy, because they have unleashed it, but then they're able to control how it went in China, which is why we see people in Wuhan now getting back to work, etc. Whereas in the United States, the U.S. now becomes the, the worst place for the number of casualties. Can't
0: say it's just. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's a pretty good one.
1: (laughs) It's feasible. It's feasible. And that's exactly why conspiracy theories go. They operate because people say, oh, at first sight, there could be some truth in that. And so it is feasible. I don't think it's likely, but Mm. nonetheless, it, it is possible.
0: So what's your advice to people out there, Keith, who do hear conspiracy theories?
1: Well, I think what you've got to do is to broaden your knowledge base. Get out of your epistemic community and read widely. So don't... I don't do any social media. I think people who just rely on social media and their feeds from Facebook or whatever, they are not well informed about the world. What you've got to do is to be able to read more widely. And this is the tragedy of today's era. Thanks to the internet, I can now read British newspapers or American newspapers online. This is fantastic. And yet, tragically, we are given that opportunity, but instead people spend their time just watching sporting results or whatever. So we, at the moment, we have an opportunity to be better informed than any previous generation in history, but we're not making the most of that opportunity, which is why I'm happy to do these podcasts.
0: I love it. Thank you. Keep them coming. Thank you. Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Suter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.